This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian Natasha Ferrier stops by to talk about inappropriate children's books and psychotic smiles. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and even astronauts about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my red Christmas tree screaming, big neck guy memeing, new season of the Orville Fiending producer, the Reindeer Games to my grumpy old man, Deprizer. Yes. I was like, oh, yes, the Orville. Can't wait. When is when does that come back? Like January 8th or something? Like, I'm so excited for that show. I knew yeah, the, the beginning of January. It's the craziest little funny thing. But, I mean, I really love everything Seth MacFarlane does. Like, really. Um, I would totally fangirl on him hard because he just makes me laugh. And well, we might be talking to him in the future, I know, hopefully. That would be awesome. Um, and yeah, I was really happy to hear that the Orville was coming back because the production value on that show was every bit as good as Star Trek. And, you know, the, the cast is fantastic and it's just a great show. But at the same time, it's not quite serious. Like, not Well, not they, I don't think they would let him do it. I think the whole thing is he's a big sci-fi and science yeah. nerd, and he wanted to do a serious show, and I don't think they would greenlight him to do a serious show. Yeah. But I've noticed, just seeing the um, trailers for the new season compared to last season, that it's kind of getting more and more serious. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how MASH was real fucking zany the first couple seasons. Right. And then the tone got more and more serious. And by the ninth season, there was like no laugh track. They even got rid of the laugh track. Yeah. That show got so serious. I kind of feel like Seth MacFarlane might be doing that. And as long as the show's successful, he's going to keep pulling back on the comedy and keep making it more sci-fi. Right. Which, I mean, he could do it. Like, really. it's. I mean, it's just a good show. And even, like, the, it's not overtly hilarious. Like, it's not like Space Quest. Not quite. But you mean Galaxy Quest? Yeah, that's it. Galaxy Quest. Um, it's not quite that goofy. I, it kind of reminds me more of more of a um, uh, what is your favorite movie in the world? Hitchhiker's Guide. It's a little more like that. I'd um, say my favorite book. Well, it hasn't um, translated on film. I don't. It, think. It's a little more like that, which I like because there's like some things you could kind of chuckle at or kind of smile at, but at the same time, the story is so interesting it, it's just great i just love it so yeah i know you do hey so um the other night i got drunk and i we... was sitting around on facebook right we got drunk <laughs> but i was in a different room i'm sitting around on facebook i'm like you know what fuck it let's just do it and i wasn't going to plan on so doing a tin candid show yet so here's the deal i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> Fern is probably not going to be able to come back, at least nowhere in the near future, because of what's going on with her family. And she's actually had to leave again to go back. She's only been back a couple weeks to Virginia Beach, and she had to leave again to go back up to Maine. So we're rolling up on episode 100. I think we're going to do episode 100, then do a goodbye episode. And then over the summer, we did this experiment, this 10 Candid show, 
where whenever I felt like it, I just reached out to some performer or entertainer friends I knew and was like, hey, let's jump on there and record something. And it was fun. And yeah, we did that Friday night. I put a post up. I'm like, I'm drunk. I just want to talk. And actually, we had like five or six people contact mm-hmm. us. And this was late, too. This was like 11 o'clock yeah. on Friday. It's the first time ever that I actually fell asleep while on air, sitting up. You passed out. <laughs> we had to go downstairs and turn the Skype off in the studio. You fucking passed out drunk. <laughs> it was like 2 fair, o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we were on, on air for three, three hours. hours. I had been drinking for most of that time. And so I remember there was at least one time where you're like, and Dee is probably over there passed out. I'm like, nope, I'm still here. I'm still here. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like sitting back in my chair. Well, Kenny also has a very sonorous voice. He does. He has a very. He would be good at hip, like hypnotizing people. Yeah. Yeah. He should totally do that. Like those, those ones where you're like, okay, everybody now just relax and breathe deep. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're on episode 98. We've got one more episode coming up Sunday, and then we're going to kick off 2019 with episode 100. And I think we'll do a goodbye episode, and hopefully Fern can call in for that. And then I think I'm just going to do these tin candid episodes where just whatever's going on that day, you know, politically, culturally, whatever, I'll just put a post up and have performers and friends and yeah, people. Yeah, it's going to be great. I have it's a, a lot feeling, less stress, too. Well, and I have a feeling we'll talk a lot about uh, John Lear's taint. As usual. I um, hope so. That's what keeps me going. Actually, what keeps me in this industry is looking forward to talking about John Lear's taint. Exactly. So that's actually good. Uh, the update, too, on the show, we had talked about, because this is semi-local, Kid Rock was supposed to grand marshal the Christmas Day parade. And just how absurd. He's like a fucking redneck Forrest Gump. He's always getting into these <laughs> absurd situations and spaces he doesn't belong in. Well, apparently he called one of the women from The View, Joy Bear, I think is Behar. how you say her name. Yeah. Behar, the B word on some interview. And um, he got kicked off as Grand Marshal. You can't call Joy a B word. She's She'll get you. He is really turning into this generation's Ted Nugent. Yeah. He is like the Gen X Ted Nugent now. Yeah. Ted Nugent has kind of gone away. He's kind of seeped. Because it was like almost every week old Ted was having a fucking meltdown on Twitter. Yeah. So he's kind of receded into the background. I guess he's at back out there hurting Buffalo or whatever the fuck he does in his free time. And now it's like Kid Rock is starting to go bananas. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, for some of those guys, I get... I just... He looks like, I don't know. I mean, I used to be a little bit of a fan when, you know, he was better at what he does. Um, and then he just turned into this, like, comic book-esque, like, I expect to see him walking around on the top of Meth Mountain where we are, just smoking it up. Like, honestly, it just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, but okay. a lot of these dudes become very... Um, kind of like comic book versions of himself. When you see Ted Nugent, I feel like, man, this, for one, he reminds me of Yosemite Sam. For two, I always picture like Ted Nugent like tying women to the train tracks. Like that just <laughs> seems to be like something like crazy Uncle Ted would do. He, he ceased to be a real person in my mind. All right, who's coming up? And let's get our guest in here. All righty. As always, if you miss this or part of this or any other episode, you can always go to www.tincan.media and check out all of our shows. In addition, you can also check out Kettle of Fish and Musical Osmosis on iTunes and on castbox.fm. Coming soon to a phone near you. 
we will also be having this Wednesday the Joeys, who are very much like Menudo in that they are all very, very young, but I'm pretty sure nobody's going to kill them off when they hit age 20. Um, no, they're super young. These are all teenage kids, and they're all amazingly talented musicians. And when we say teenage, we mean barely. 12 to 15 yeah. is the age range. Yeah, like these kids are like, and, and I'm, I'm going to have to ask why they're not on America's Got Talent or something. Um, oh my god they're so they are so younger than our kids we're so fucking old shut up <laughs> um and then uh next sunday we're gonna have comedian cat alvarado um and we're having tons and tons of fun until then and it's almost the and then we're taking the rest of the year off i usually do this yes. big like four or five hour end of the year show i'm not doing it this year although we are doing a new year's eve party at our place so you never know what ends up gonna what's oh gonna yeah happen. we might record some stuff we, we totally right. might we totally might I, I have a feeling we will all right let's talk about today's guest i'm happy that we finally have someone from here in tennessee on yes. kettle of fish i know we've had um buick from friendship commanders on our music show and i think she was on one of our political shows as well but we finally got a performer from kettle of fish for kettle of fish from tennessee on the show so i'm very happy to introduce a very sharp comedian from chattanooga she smells like cigarettes and string cheese here comes <laughs> oh you forgot to ask her exactly how to pronounce her name i hope i don't push I right. this natasha farrier hello you got what? it that's right i think yeah. i do I that, nev that never happens wow. um usually Usually people ask me, uh, and your last name, how do you pronounce that? And then they get on stage and actually mispronounce my first name. So, well, good job. I hope this isn't like the ring or some kind of monkey paw curse where something bad's going to happen to you now since I oh, no. pronounced your name correctly. Because that would be I know, for the first what we're time. about here on Kettle of Fish. <laughs> I like to state for the record we are anti-monkey paw curses. Just to get that that's on the yeah. record. That's a good policy to have, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's what kind of separates us from the other podcasts. Could be. It's our I fervent so, stand too. against monkey paw curses. For sure. <laughs> and you you went in there with confidence. I've had people pronounce my name and just mumble. I One show, someone just went, Natasha Furrer. That girl. <laughs> what? Bring her up yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, that's never good. That's I, I, Look, I'm like David Lee Roth. I know what I'm talking about, even when I don't know what I'm talking about. I just say everything <laughs> with such resounding confidence, people don't even want to question me. Except go. for my political adversaries that scream fake news at everything I say <laughs> and think I'm a crisis actor. Besides those pricks. <laughs> Everybody else just buys it. All right. Oh, by the way, before we get started, I don't want to forget to congratulate you on four years in comedy. I saw your milestone. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, they say no one takes you seriously until five, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm one year like away from that. There? Does it feel different but, than your first year? Um. Well, yeah, my first year, it was crazy. I um, The first time I ever went up, there were no female comics in Chattanooga, in my city. So I was watching and it was all men for weeks and I would go and creepily just stalk the, the comedy scene and watch and then and then finally went up. And there was only there was also only one open mic. And now, four years later, we've got multiple female comics and we've got four open mics, which is a lot that for a small city nuts. like us. So, <laughs> but that's interesting, though. So you were actually going out and kind of researching. Were you kind of hesitant and like, this is the day I'm going to jump in? Like, when did you make that decision? And then how long did you kind of go scope out clubs and get a feel for the scene before you actually dove in and got on stage? 
Oh man, I went, I went for weeks. And then one, the guy who runs, um, the, who ran the mic, he actually approached me and he was like, I hear that you write comedy. Cause at the time I was in college studying English. Um, my major was creative writing and I had a blog, which I do not talk about now. It's not good. Don't, this is not, this was just me in college thinking I was super funny with, with my blog. He's like, I heard about it. I heard you have a comedy blog. He's like, you should try it. And I was like, Oh, that's actually why I've been watching. But that kind of, that gave me that little push of, you know, him approaching me and knowing about my nerdy comedy blog. <laughs> nice. Where's that guy today? Do you still stay in touch with him? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's Ryan Darling out of Chattanooga. He runs a lot of shows. He's, yeah, he's great. Very cool. So what do you think mm-hmm. is the biggest thing that's changed for you as a comedian since, I, I'm going to say this, it sounds like it was 50 years ago now, um, since 2014. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. What do you think is the biggest thing that's changed for you? And obviously it sounds like the scene's changed a lot in Chatty in four short years. It has. I think, I think our scene, oh man, I don't, when I started, since there was only one mic, I don't think anyone really talked about comedy. It was one thing that happened on Wednesday night. And then, you know, the other six days of the week, you, you weren't, you weren't a comedian. You just went to your normal job. And now we have four mics. That almost have, sounds like a fetish. Like comedy was a fetish. Like, hey, I got this dirty little secret I do on Wednesdays. Right. On Wednesday nights, I dress up in plaid and flannel and I go yeah. tell my jokes. <laughs> um, and now we've got we've got like four major showcases um, wow. when we just had one back in the day. And these are monthly. And then when I started, there was one that may happen sometimes, maybe not. Um, so we've got like, it's kind of nice. I feel like. I see the same faces come out to comedy shows like, Oh, I'm such a fan. And they know all the comics by name because they support the, we have like an actual scene now. And it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. A lot of a community. I would say we have now. Well, that's awesome to kind of be on the ground floor of that too. And kind of see it grow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Especially, especially, you know, as a lady, it was like, I was watching. It's like, Oh, a lot of, a lot of the penis jokes. And then it's like, hey, women can tell those. I gotta I gotta make a voice for oh, us. Oh yeah. They <laughs> and go can. talk about penises. It's like yeah, I gotta talk about that part. shit. Come on. You're a trailblazer. <laughs> You're like the Susan B. Anthony of Chattanooga comedy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well. What do you think about it? And you know, we're talking about 2014. <laughs> I was a year into the Ignorance Equation, which was our political panel show. And and I, I'm serious, man. When I look back, so much like fucked up shit has happened in this country in the last four years. 2014 seems like 50 years ago. Like since Trump's come on yeah. the scene, it's been such a chaotic Trump train wreck. 24 seven. Like I look wreck. back at 2014 yeah. with almost wholesome Mayberry nostalgia. It seems like a different <laughs> fucking universe. That is very true. I remember, oh man, the night, the night Trump won, I went with two other comics to Nashville, just do some mics and have some fun. Cause we, we were convinced Trump wasn't going to win. So like, oh, we'll go do some shows and then we'll celebrate. And then the night just got more and more just foreboding as he just like kept creeping up and winning and winning and winning. And then he just won. And I was doing a show and I, and then, just I ended up just losing it on stage and then I was like I should never try to do comedy in such a heated uh during such a heated event again (laughs) but it's all heated now and um when you think about it 
like the politics, social media has become so toxic. And with uh, everything coming out from all angles, think about the Me Too movement, too. How has all that impacted your comedy and the way you write comedy over the last few years? Has that had a huge impact on you? Or do you try to you know, be in a different bucket and kind of keep all that stuff away from you when you're writing and doing comedy? I know. That's so tough. That's such a tough one because I think I think the Me Too movement is incredibly important and it's crucial. I think it's helping women. I think it's outing these men that have needed to be outed. Um, when it comes to comedy, I think... I, uh, my comedy style is not, it's not very political. I don't think, um, I don't think I can articulate a joke in a way that also can make like a huge social change. So I try to not even try and leave that up to comics who are really good at it. Cause there are a lot who can do that. I feel like I, it goes, it's feminism in a way that I want to be, I don't want to be really viewed as, as a woman when I go on stage. I want to get to the point where we're all just called comics. Not that calling me a female comic takes away from it, but, you know, co male comics aren't ever called as a male comic. Like, right. oh, we need a male comic on this show. Or, oh, they had two male comics on their show. But, ah, but with a point. female comic, you hear female before the word comic all the time. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's very fair. So I try to, uh, when it comes to, I, I try to stay out of getting political on stage because I want us to just get to a point where we're all seen as, as comedians. And the male, female, or just gender, sex in general doesn't need to be stated in the profession that I'm trying to pursue. That makes sense. That. Are, we, are we running at an accelerated rate towards that? In other words, I remember when Obama came in office, he was against gay marriage. And I would say within, like, gay marriage went from a 15, 20% approval rating to, like, an 80, 85% approval rating within three or four years, which politically, that's quick. Do you think yeah. we're accelerating with this Me Too movement to where you'll be able to get to a situation where people aren't looking at it through that lens of female comedian, male comedian? I, you know, I would hope so. I would think so. I, I remember even even three years ago, I'd be approached like, "Oh, we really need a, a female on the show. We don't have one." And now, no one no one has said that to me in the last year. They'd be like, "Oh, would wow, you like to be on awesome. my show?" I haven't heard it. And that's something that stands out when someone says it, like, cause you're flattered, like oh, they want me to be on the show. And then you hear like, cause we need a girl. And it's like, Ooh, you just took away. Yeah, so it's not about like my film. comedy. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. That's so nice. yeah, but I think it is improving. I mean, seriously, last year I have, I have not heard that. And I think, I mean, that's a small step. It's very, that's <laughs> incredibly small compared to the grand scheme of things. But I think it's the small things that are going to, all eventually add up and make a huge difference. But, you know, there's also, for every action, there's an equal and opposite insane fucking reaction. And when you look at the strides women have been making, especially in the last five years, and D, I had you pull some information, because I remember when that Mad Max movie came out, and the same thing happened with, um, oh, Ghost in Wonder a Shell, Woman, Wonder yeah. Woman. Every time there's a movie with a strong woman role in it, where the woman is seen as a hero and is strong and, and, and decisive and takes action, there's this group, this counter group of like these just weak, frail, this is even before the incel movement, men who just lose their shit and flip out. You want, you want oh, to read this out mission statement of that group you pulled for me? Oh the my God. So, yeah, this was really uh, hilarious. There is this group that I almost, I, I don't even want to tell you 
what it's called because I don't even want to give them like that that whatever. Um, well, I doubt any of our fans are going to be recognition. Yeah. Right. I don't want to give them that recognition, but so they have certain community beliefs and it says that they aim to usher the return of the masculine man in a world where masculinity is being increasingly punished and shamed in favor of creating an androgynous and politically <laughs> correct society that allows women to assert superiority and control over men. I'm like, really? Yeah. Bite it to a fucking soul. Oh my God. Yeah. Man. And I mean, like they're, so one of their belief, their first number one belief is that men and women are genetically different physically and mentally. And so they're completely saying a transgendered person doesn't even exist. That is what they're saying because oh they're God. like, no, it's completely genetic. And, and if you were born, whatever you were born, that's what you are. And that's it. Um, men will opt out of monogamy and reproduction if there aren't incentives to engage in them. So if you, you know, if you're a heterosexual woman and you're with a heterosexual man and you don't give him enough of what he wants, it's your fault. You hear that, ladies? You. you better up oh, your man. job in meatloaf making game. <laughs> exactly. Or you're a man may start banging his secretary. Mm -hmm. yeah, the the gauntlet's been thrown down. These guys have let you know what they expect. It's yeah. such bullshit. Lame. Um, a woman's value significantly depends on her fertility and beauty. A man's value depends on his resources, intellect, and character. So nothing to do with how he looks, but it's all about how she, like, really? Um, wow. Socialism, feminism, cultural Marxism, and social justice warriorism all aim to destroy the family unit, decrease the fertility rate, and impoverish the state through large welfare and I know that's my aim to destroy the family. I unit. just it, it's <laughs> one of those things they paid me. And here, you know, because I am who I am, I I've always been raised, even by my very masculine, very male father, um, that judge a person by their actions not by their appearance you know never ever judge a book by its cover you judge people by how they treat you and right. anybody anybody has just as much value and just as much right to be happy as you do you are no better or no worse than anybody else that's just how he taught me and and when he passed away he was a devout catholic which to me is the most conservative religion you know, in the Western world. So it's like, Ooh, what is wrong with I think with evangelicals people? have got them beat. Well, it used to be Catholicism because it was, when you go in, you genuflect. When you go to your pew, you kneel and genuflect. Then you sit down and you genuflect again. Like, there's, it's all about the ritual. So it's just, uh, this stuff just, just, it just eats at But me. it's crazy, <laughs> right, Natasha, that we're at a place where there's actually a thing that exists called incels. Who are like, hey, um, we are involuntarily celibate and women owe us sex. I should be able to walk up to any woman and demand sex and she should just bow. Right. And yeah, I was just, just thinking. Makes want to punch somebody in the groin. <laughs> well, I made this point before on the show. If you went into a coma in 1920 and woke up in 1940, you would still understand what was going on. You'd be like, oh, there's a war coming. It's Great Depression winding down. I get it. If you went into a coma and fucking. 1845 and woke up in the end of the Civil War, you would get it. Any, There's no 20-year span. You could go into a coma and wake up and just be like, what the fuck? But if you went in a coma in 1998 and woke up today, 
And yeah. saw who was president, what was going on, social media, everyone staring their phones, flat earthers, <laughs> red pillars, <laughs> incel dudes, alt writers. You would, oh you would be like, I never woke up from my coma. This is yeah. a fucking. Like yeah, a mess. <laughs> the last twenty years has been a steady decline into this insanity. Well, right. Right. I agree. So I have to, you guys, <laughs> it threw me off with Wonder Woman. I have to admit, I did not see that movie because I'm a huge uh, Joss Whedon fan. You guys, uh, Joss Whedon, Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. right. And I I read uh, part of his, I'm still reading it, his autobiography. And he writes about how he wanted to make a Wonder Woman movie for years and years. Studios kept shooting it down. They said, no, that won't work. Female superhero, that's not going to sell. That's not going to sell. That's not going to sell. Kept telling him this and telling him this and telling him this, just like, you know, convincing him that no, Wonder Woman would not sell as a movie. He gave up on it. He actually got, he writes about in his book, he got very depressed from it. And this is like his passion project. You know, he made Buffy. Like, to me, she's like a powerful female of superhero. Course. I grew up on, I grew up on Buffy. I'm obsessed. Huge Buffy nerd. And, uh, and then they they re and then they made it, but it wasn't him, and I was so upset because I'm so I'm like a like weirdly like you know uh, loyal. To yeah, Josh like Lee. you I'm can't like, watch he it. He tried. Him. Yeah. Exactly, but he tried for so long. They kept telling him it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. So uh, what I want to know is, I guess, what studio and why now? Where they're like, oh, it can work now. Right. You could have made a change before. Maybe it would have worked, but you waited. It's, I just feel like it's so Hollywood. You wait until it's almost trendy, quote unquote, trendy to support females. And that's when you make the movie. You yeah. could have helped make social change if you had made it before this was like, jump on the bandwagon. Females are cool, actually. Like, uh, it well, you pisses know what they me say off. about first through the door, though, right? First through the door is the one to get their head chopped. So nobody yeah. wants to take that risk, especially, I mean, once you get up to those higher echelons of Hollywood, those people are like fucking robots just calculating shit and making like computer process decisions on input, output, and how much they can spend and profit margins and things like that. You're in a totally right. different universe that I probably couldn't even hope to understand. Yeah, yeah very well, true. And I think a lot of the reason that it did work so well is honestly, I can't think of anybody else who could have played Wonder Woman because Gal Gadot is like seriously freaking Wonder Woman. Like she was and pregnant while they yeah. were shooting. That's insanity. I know. That's right? very. That's very cool. She, yeah. She like really is Wonder Woman. Like I've seen her yeah. do this like some kind of underwater singing in Israeli mermaid dance thing, and I'm just like what the crap? And then, oh, by the way, she's in the military. And, oh, by the way, she can do, like, these hundred other things. And she's super nice to everybody. And she gives to charity and hangs out with, like, See, kids I don't with get no it, parents. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's strong amazing. women turn me on. Like, I don't understand this <laughs> whole, <do>. like, <laughs> if a, a woman takes charge or is divisive. Like, I, I don't understand why guys get, well, some guys, of course, get um, threatened by that. That's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, but I'm, you know, I if know. I could I don't think we can it, explain it. <laughs> I would be them, I guess. All right, let's shift gears here. I was watching some of your comedy on the old YouTubes. Um, a lot of your stuff is very, very personal. You talk about wetting the bed while drunk. You talk a lot about sex. Here's what I'm wondering the whole time I'm watching your set. Yeah. Do you ever think of something or are you ever in the process of writing something and you say, whoa, too personal or this goes too far. The audience will not be on board with this or especially here <laughs> in the South. 
Or can you not think that way at all when it comes to red <laughs> Uh, that's funny. No, I'm, I usually keep, um, there are definitely things I keep to myself just about like my childhood and, um, relationship with my mother, stuff like that. I have tried that. Don't get me wrong. There's stuff I have tried and I've just gotten like, Oh, Oh, and I'm like, Ooh, no, not why I'm, not why I'm doing Uh. this. Not why I'm doing this. Please do not do that. That makes me feel so much worse. I need laughs. That's why I'm, why I'm here. So I just kind of, I kind of drop that. So if it's, it just has to do with like me and of course like you know people I've dated that's fine I try to eh, family I try to just not that's like one thing that I don't because then I'm like oh if someone in my family heard this they'd kill me and I'm not like out to like hurt anyone's feelings I'm out to just embarrass myself if that makes does your family watch your comedy I remember I saw this HBO special one of their like real sex shows years ago where there was this porn star and (laughs) Her family was, her parents rather, were creepily involved in it. They went to the expos. They were like, isn't oh, my daughter great um, in performing? And they and they treated, it was so fucking Twilight Zone because they treated it as if she was like a Sir Anthony Hopkins actor of the porn genre. And they talked her up <laughs> and they sold her videos. I have to imagine they've seen some of her videos because of the way they were sales pitching it. All right. I, how do you get your family uh, that involved? I mean, your comedy <laughs> goes into some territory that I wouldn't want my parents checking out. Do your parents hear your comedy? Uh, no, it's funny. For the first time, because my dad and my stepmom are super supportive, so supportive. They'll, like, share my shows on their Facebook, like, you know, tell everyone, like, great. But I, I've never let them come because I'm like, I don't. It's usually like my dad. I'm like, I don't want my dad to hear me talk about some of this stuff. Like, it, 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 like it's that's uncomfortable. But then, um, for my birthday this year, which was late October, turning 28 and coming out, up on my four year anniversary, I was like, okay, at some point they should just see a show because they've been supporting me for four years now. I I am almost 30. I should they should just know I'm not a teenager like hiding some secrets. <laughs> so I, I invited them to a show. Of course I there's some jokes I did not tell, of course. But there's some where I was like, This is uncomfortable, but I'm just gonna tell it, it'll be fine. The show went great, so it was like even if they're uncomfortable, hey, everyone else is laughing, so I still look good. So uh yeah, it's the only time it was this year. It was in uh it was in October. So what was their reaction where they're like, okay, it's like when I went skydiving, I did it. So I could say I did it. I I got what I wanted (laughs) out of it. Are they like, well, we'll definitely be coming out more for this. Well, they, uh, I did not look at them while I was on stage. Not once. Cause they were like in like the third row. I could have easily, right. I was like, "Mm -mm, that's going to throw me off. Uh, so, but after they, they were like, that was great. What a great show. They, of course, didn't quote my jokes. It'd probably be weird if they did. It'd probably make us both uncomfortable. But then my dad texted me that night, and he was like, you're so great on stage. Your presence is amazing. You could be an actress. You could be, and it was it was very sweet. I was like, thank you. Wow. So it was supportive, but That's it awesome. didn't, but it was. But no, it, it wasn't like that one joke you told about, about, the penis bopping that gold <laughs> nothing was you know mentioned verbatim hey, that's kind of you also when you hear comedians talk except for jerry seinfeld they always say like he's kind of outside the box it is you always hear about right. what troubled lives comedians have but it sounds like you came from a very stable and supportive environment um it, <laughs> i uh did yeah i um 
when I moved, I moved in with my dad when I was 12. And uh, from then on, it was very stable. Nice. All right. All right. Fair enough. We won't delve too much in that. <laughs> Let me shift gears again here and ask you the most obvious question. Because um, all the comedians we come, not all, but I'd say the majority of them, that we have come through here from L.A. or New York, four years in, why have you not made the move to L.A., New York, even Atlanta, man? Their comedy and entertainment scene out there is popping right now, and that's not too far away. Why haven't you made the move? Oh, yeah, I know. I keep getting myself in stupid relationships. I've got to just... <laughs> I've got to just be single, and then that way I can just move. But then I feel like it's always like, oh, got a new boyfriend, and this year we're going to move to this city, and then that doesn't work out. And then I'm like, well, shit. Um, so I think my plan, though, honestly, I had a like five-year plan when I was 25, and it was like uh, by the time I'm 30, make the move to a big city. Uh, preferably, I would love to live in New York as tough as it would be. That would be my goal. Um, and so I've got two years, so I've start, I'm starting to save money. I've got like some money set aside trying to just save up. So I've got two years, two more years on top of what I've saved to like make the jump to uh, New York City. Right I think would on. Be good for stand-up. Do you get to perform yeah. outside of Tennessee a lot or are you kind of... Oh, situated? yeah. No, I travel a lot. I'm on the road a lot. Um, uh, like uh, last year, I think I went to like 32 different cities. Wow. Wow, which was really fun this year um i didn't keep track normally i keep track uh this year though i like started my own show so then i was really focused on that i try to focus on a different aspect of stand-up every year like the That's first smart. year was just doing it right the second year was polishing jokes like actually trying to keep like have some keepers instead of just open micing it and trying to come up with new material and be prolific with my writing second year was like refine this material have some stuff you could keep for a set third year was traveling and festivals, which I did. And then this fourth year I was focused on behind the scenes, producing my own show and what it's like to be the booker. Is that? that is so smart. I did the same thing when I was in music. I was just telling somebody this the other day. I used to be in a punk band a million years ago called even Steven. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. But I knew <laughs> in my head, even as young as I was, which God, this was probably in early twenties or whatever. Um, as young as I was, I knew I wasn't going to just be playing in the garage and Mr. Big would drive by and discover us like Josie and the fucking pussycats or something. So <laughs> I was like, man, I need to get my tentacles in like every avenue. It is. So I started promoting shows. I started Little Guy Productions. I started a little record label. And even though it was nothing big, I started putting myself in all of these different genres and avenues of the music world. So I didn't have to worry about getting booked. I would just put my own show together and book myself. So I think what you're doing is smart and calculated. And I don't know if everybody in comedy approaches it that way. I think a lot of people are just like the band that just plays around and hopes to get discovered. So I think you're doing the right thing. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I yes. hope. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then uh, I feel like in Tennessee or Chattanooga, where I am, you're so close to all these other cities. I, it's, it's really easy. I'm like two hours from Atlanta, two hours from Nashville, two and a half, three from Knoxville, five from like Asheville and Columbia and South Carolina, which isn't really that bad. Like I drove last year, 10 hours to New Orleans and just wanted to die. Oh, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, right, yeah. my day job before I started working from home was about an 85 mile commute round trip into Knoxville from up here on Meth Mountain. Mm -hmm. So oh, somebody was telling me the other day, 
my friend Jason's in town. He lives in um, Finland, and he plays in this band called Misery Index. And he's like, well, you know, we don't ever play in Knoxville. I said, dude, just hit – if you hit three to four hours around here, let me know, and I'll make the drive. That's like a, going to see your show three hours away and coming back is a day trip for me. Mm-hmm. That's not a Gosh. lot of time for someone that lives out here in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. like a three-hour drive is nothing to us now. We're back when I lived in Virginia Beach. Somebody like, hey, you want to come to D.C.? Three hours away? Well, are you fucking crazy? I'm not driving three <laughs> hours to D.C. But now three <laughs> hours is no, – it's all perspective, yeah. right? Everything's always all perspective. Now it's right? like, right. oh, well, it's going to take me – on Wednesdays, it takes me an hour to get to work. Like because apparently Wednesday morning is magical around Knoxville and it takes – way longer than it should um and because of where we live this stretch of 75 is actually the most dangerous um stretch of 75 that there is between you know where we live in campbell county and just south of knoxville that's where the most wrecks happen so i mean i'm like oh it's 30 it's like not even 30 miles to my office well i better give myself at least 45 minutes like that's normal every day just wow. every day. Yeah. So it's like, oh, something that's like last year we went to Savannah. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to Savannah for an audition. Sure. Let's go. You know, it's not a big deal. And right. Exactly. Yeah. Let me back ah. here. When you were on stage, um, when your parents came out, did you do my favorite bit of what I've seen? I haven't seen a lot. I've seen what's on YouTube right. is about the children's books. Did you do that bit when you were on stage with your parents? We're in the audience. Oh, my. Wait, I. Oh, the children. Oh, 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 oh. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, I did not. <laughs> I, I, I did not do that. <laughs> my daughter, it's the fun. first book she ever got yeah. this book called <laughs> Little Brown Nut Hair. And it's about a rabbit, a little brown rabbit. And I'm like, don't <laughs> just have a filthy fucking mind? Like, that, that, how could, like, how could somebody have no self awareness and not. Or do I just have a dirty mind? I know it's not the same thing you're. What you're talking about is a little bit different, but it immediately <laughs> right. back to Little Brown Nut Hair or Little Nut Brown Hair, whatever the name of that book was. I was like, it was like, you know, the author, they know, they knew titling to, right? that. They absolutely knew they're adults. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> we were in an Urban Outfitters in New Orleans and I put the card in. This is right. This was like three years ago and the chip readers were just coming out and they're like, hey, you can't swipe it. There was like some white card in the swiper so you couldn't swipe it. And they were like, stick your chip in the chip reader. And I was like, OK. And I stuck it in there. But before it had done its process, I pulled it out. And she's like, well, you can't pull it out that fast. It's like beep, beep, beep. And it said premature ejection. And I go, what? some fucking tech nerd <laughs> had what? with me. No joke. You know, I was like, what? I was like, it's this premature ejection. What the hell? And I looked at the password. I was like, you know, your zone machine just told me I pre pre um, maturely ejected my card. And she's like, oh, I never noticed that. Just stick it back in. And I was like, some tech yeah. nerd is having a fucking field day right now. Oh, that is hilarious. That's silly. That's very silly. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, Before we get out of here, I want to talk about your show once a month. It is, you have different female comedians come in from all over for this, right? This isn't just. Yes. From all across the Southeast. That's, you know, yes. (laughs) It's uh, it's once a month, every month. It's uh, Chattanooga's first all-female comedy showcase. Um, it's been so far. I mean, we've sold out every show, but one. And to me, wow. that's insane. Starting a new show from just the ground up. We started in February um, to have a packed house like that. 
you know, almost every time I just, I'm, I'm beyond grateful for that. And for just the support of Chattanooga for wanting to support females in comedy that much. It's amazing. Yeah. I was going to say that is amazing. You know, I've had female comedian friends in LA and New York who have done things kind of similar to that. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, rash of shit. You go to the comment threads. I think Emily Winter used to do one of those. And you go to the comment Oh, I thread. met her at a festival, yes. Yeah, well, Emily's awesome, man. She cracks me up. Um, but she did something. I, I think it was her, if my old man memory is not failing me. Did something similar. And you go to the comment thread, and there's just like these angry dudes like, Why are you excluding dudes? Why are you excluding dudes? This is what's wrong with women now. They're taking it all away oh, from us. Oh, my God. Have you gotten that kind of pushback at all? Or has Chatty been really chill about it? No, uh, super chill about it. Even, uh, I did have, so the, the lady, uh, I run the show with Grace Holtz, also one of my very good friends. She's stepping down from comedy to focus more on theater. And it was great. Cause all my male friends were like, so like comic friends were so supportive and like, let us help you. We started the show with a little video. Like, let us help you make a new video. Like, oh, you guys just want to be in it. And they're like, well, yeah, but we'll all pretend to be Grace and we'll audition with her. Uh-huh. We'll audition as her. And they're like, idea. we know her jokes. We know her bits. And they were so excited and like, like, man, this is great support instead of like, you know, well, good luck with that. Running that show by yourself. It was like very much like, oh, we'll help you. We'll, we'll get the, we'll get the equipment. We'll make the video. We can be Grace. We can even be her. Like, this is great. So, so uh, what did um, they call it, D? I remember you read it to me yesterday. Was it neo-masculism? In that neo-masculinity. Neo-mas- so you didn't have any neo-masculinity bite into a Slim Jim dude's attacking you then? Oh, God, no. Uh, never. And I mean, I've, I assume it will happen. I'm not. <laughs> but so far, no. Honestly, I, I, don't, mm, I don't even know if those guys, I don't know, in Chattanooga really go to comedy shows. That's like, true. That's at true. least our, our like alt scene comedy shows. I don't know about them. Yeah, probably out drunk, cow tipping, and drinking moonshine, and <laughs> having like, a good old time. There's a lot of good old boys out where I live. I don't know how chatty is. I know I you would think in Chatton, yeah, in the South, in the Bible Belt, but uh, I think our comedy shows it tends to be a, a younger, like more liberal crowd. Gotcha. From yeah. what I've gathered, um, but I don't know. I also have a friend though who did an open mic and. A heckler, you know, kept bothering him, and he ended up saying something about the guy's dick being small, you know, the the go to as you would. And the guy stood up and just whipped it out like that was. Oh, he was a very large country God. dude. Just took yeah. it out, and it was like, oh, you're just proving the comic right. I don't know why you took that out. But. <laughs> I'm to the point but, now where I just be rabbit everybody, like anybody who comes at me, because dude, my page used to explode with fucking pussy libtard, pussy snowflake, and, and now, oh my I, gosh, I just put a thing up in me, like in a dunce cap and a chalkboard, and I'm just like, I just tell everybody, yep, I'm a George Soros deep state libtard leftist pussy snowflake. That's me. Yep, yep, you got me. Yep, I'm a crisis actor. Like, I don't even argue with them anymore. But so if somebody's like, you have a small dick, I'd be like, absolutely, I do. You don't. Right. That's weird. <laughs> Man, you have to lug yeah. that big thing around with you. That sounds horrible, dude. Like, <laughs> there's no way to defuse nice. it. So I'm just like. It's true. And those people, I just, if you don't like it, don't listen. I don't know why you're, wa- you're the one wasting your time with listening to me. If you don't like it, I just <laughs> go away. Those people just need something to complain about. It's, fine. Yeah, it's like this assholes who just buy like Keurig coffee makers to smash them or Eminem albums to burn them. You know, it's like, I'll show them. I'm buying 10 Eminem albums and burning them. That'll show them. Yeah, dude, you've got, we're, you're drinking some liberal tears now, buddy. All right, let's get out of here. Um, 
Tell us what you got planned for 2019. Is once a month going away? Are you? You said you're going to rebrand. Ah, I'm going to rebrand it. I'm going to rebrand it. I'll keep the name because the name has made a name for itself. But as far as everything else, our you know our artwork, our posters, all that rebranded. Um, that show, and then probably focus on. I'm going to try to now focus on traveling uh, northeast, which I've never done. I've been doing the southeast a lot. So I'm going to try to try to make it up northeast this this year around hit a new region of the U.S. in my in my travel. I think that's smart. Um, you don't have a website, though, right? We can send everyone to. I do not. I should. You know what? That's, I'll add that to the should. list. I'll be like, get a website. Get get on there. Get that done. Thank and let you. me tell <laughs> you, there are differences between women and men. And one difference I noticed are women are so much better at websites. When you go to a guy's website, it's kind of like you'd expect a room to be like old socks in the corner and shit. Like you can't really navigate it. It's kind of it's bombastic everywhere. And every time I'll go to like Liz Mealy's website and it's this fucking perfect. Like everything is in order. Everything's easy to find. I feel like women are so much better at the business end. And I'm just making a broad statement. Of course, there's exceptions on both sides. But women are so much better at the business end and the organizational end when putting together a website every female comedian's website but one i've been to has just been magic wow nice i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do my research and check them out yeah so get a website up people want to see them in those too whenever i put these shows together all right so um 2019 what do you have coming up and does everybody just go to your twitter and facebook that they want to check you out oh yeah um Instagram at Natasha Farrier, Twitter at Natasha Farrier. That's where I post all my shows. Sounds good. All right. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, guys. Good luck with everything you got coming up. And if we ever make it out to Chatty, we'll have to come out and um, check out one of your shows. Absolutely. Yes. Hit me up. I'll point you to all the great food also. Nice. The great food. We're on keto. I tried to stay away from the great food. I like the great food. Oh, just kidding. All the okay, good. Thank you, D. <laughs> 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 All right, you guys. We are out of here. We'll be back next Sunday, and then we're going to take a break for the rest of the year. And I'm just, I'm going to try to do something I never do and relax, because usually I'm bouncing off the walls like yeah. an ADD kid. But I'm going to actually just try to play video games and relax for the rest of the year. That sounds like a plan. Good luck, buddy. I say to myself, the rice of <laughs> 